Now, on, um, on Wednesday, I had a great day. On Wednesday, I had a day off, and I was invited uh, by my father-in-law to join him and his golf society on a golf day at a very special venue. Um, I know Tim was very jealous. A place called Wentworth. Have you ever heard of Wentworth? It's a very, very nice golf club. And I was there, and they, they, treat, you, um, they treat you very well. And um, uh, I wasn't expecting this, but as I stepped up to, um, to tee off, they had like a guy there with a PA and a microphone. And, um, and he announced you onto the tee, just like they do the pros in all the tournaments. You know, stepping onto the tee, we have Rory McIlroy. And there, I thought, this is my big moment. This is my big entrance. It's amazing. This is never going to happen for me again. And so I stepped up, had my drive out. I was all ready. And he said, stepping onto the tee is, and he gave the society's name or whatever. And then he said, Mike Turnell. <laughs> the moment was lost. I corrected him. Eventually, he said my name correctly, but the moment was lost, and I was devastated, and it will probably never come around again, but there we go. Um, and um, uh, that was my big moment, my big entrance, as it were. This is Jesus' big entrance into Jerusalem. Uh, and the whole of the gospel, really, has been moving towards this week, where we see uh, as clear as day who Jesus really is and why he's come. And uh, in the past, if you've been journeying through us in Matthew's Gospel, there have been several moments, I don't know if you've noticed, these puzzling moments where Jesus might cast out a demon or heal someone, and then he'll say to them, don't go and tell anyone. Have you noticed those? Don't go and tell anyone. Don't tell anyone who I am. Uh, But in today's reading, it's quite different. Jesus is in your face with who he is. He's proclaiming it. He's fulfilling prophecies left, right, and center. Uh, there's nowhere to hide. He's hitting you square between the eyes with this truth. The first truth is a, is a confrontational truth. Jesus is saying, I'm king. Uh, the second truth is, is a paradoxical truth. He says, I'm a king, but as, as, um, as uh, Richard put it at the start, I, I'm on a larder, not on a Ferrari. I'm on a donkey, not on a warhorse. And we'll look a little bit at what that means. Um, so a confrontational truth and a, and a paradoxical truth, a strange truth. I'm going to get you to do a little bit of work this afternoon for me, though. Hopefully you've got your Bible passages out in front of you. And uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is very quickly turn to the people around you and see if you can spot some of the things in this passage that, uh, where Jesus is screaming who he is, where he's fulfilling some prophecy, where it's obvious who he is, where people are acknowledging who he is. Um, on this side of the room, over here, this side of the room, can you take the first section um, of the passage? So from verse 1 up until 11. And then just to make it a bit quicker, and then you guys, if you just take the temple scene, okay? I'm only going to give you a couple of minutes, so quickly, um, this isn't the time for chit-chat and finding out what you have for lunch. Um, This is, uh, see if you can spot the signs, how Jesus saying something about himself, people saying something about himself, who he is, and that he's king. Have a quick look.
Okay, I'm going to give you another 30 seconds or so. Not long. Might be really obvious, there might be a more subtle one. Okay, okay, I'm going to put it together. Now, anyone over here um, want to say something that they spotted from that first section that, that screams something of Jesus' identity that he's making clear, fulfilling prophecy or something like that? Anybody from this side? Sorry, where? The Lord needs them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in getting the donkey, Jesus is in charge of this situation, isn't he? He's orchestrating it. So, okay. Um, Lord needs it. Great, okay. Anything else? Anybody else on this side? Yeah, okay. So that's the Zechariah 9-9 prophecy, which he calls out. Actually, Zechariah has an, 9-9 has an extra line in it, but um, this is where you learn to use your footnotes at the bottom. It helps you look very clever if nobody else knows. Um, so if you just find a little A and it points you down to Zechariah 9-9. Any, anything else? Anybody else spotted? Son of David. Yeah, why is that significant? King David. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So son of David. David was the great king of um, the great king of Israel. Everybody knew that the Messiah was going to come from the line of David. Uh, so this title is really significant. This is a messianic title. Gets him into trouble towards the end um, of the passage. Um, anything else that anyone wants to spot from that first section that says something of his kingship? No. Okay. That's fine. And over here, you guys, what did you spot? Yes. Being praised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's getting praise, and he doesn't stop it, does he? <laughs> he doesn't stop it to the fury of the chief priests. Um, uh, anything else? Any other language in that passage? That, yeah. Yeah, Jesus says, it's my house. Okay. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. And um, we'll unpick some of that. I've said that Jesus is no longer, he's no longer hiding at all. Jesus, right the way through the gospel, he's never, he's always been humble, but he's never been modest. He's been clear about who he is to a certain extent. But now we are just getting it straight between the eyes. There's, um, uh, first of all, is the fulfillment of the prophecy, is the Zechariah 9, 9. Uh, there's the Lord needs it, and then he, uh, getting the donkey, and the colt of the donkey, and then Zechariah 9, 9, which is fulfilling. And it says in that passage, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And right the way through this passage, Jesus is confronting people with this stuff. This is who I am, this is who I am, this is who I am. And it's challenging people. Um, and uh, he's challenging, I guess, us this Easter again. He's saying, crown me or kill me. I'm the king. This is who I am. Crown me or kill me. No middle ground. Crown me or kill me. Next thing that comes along 
Uh, let's take this title, uh, Son of David. Uh, we said a messianic title. Everybody knew what this meant. Uh, if we fast track to the end, it's the title that really gets him into trouble with the chief priests. So um, look at this uh, at the end, verse 15. Uh, when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did, uh, the miracles that he's been doing, and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Uh, that's a nice English word for they were livid, they were furious, they were really, really angry. He said, they said do you know, do you hear what these children are saying? It's as if they're saying, um, deny it or face the consequences. You cannot come to this, our temple, they're thinking. And have this said about you, do this kind of stuff, and get away with it. Deny it or face the consequences. And Jesus just says, nope. What they're saying is true. What they're saying is right. And he quotes scripture right back at them. Someone spotted there, didn't they? Um, From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. That could be translated, you have ordained, ordained your praise. From the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have ordained your praise. So, but the praise is directed to Jesus, isn't it? But he's saying that that's my praise. No, that's right. They're praising the right person. He doesn't correct them at all. They're praising him. They're, the context of the passage is praise for the Lord. And he's saying, yeah, no, that's right. They've got it right. And this is my house. He's hitting them square between the eyes. Uh, other things that you, that you might have picked up on, the cloaks and the branches, the red carpet they make for him. They did this for an Old Testament king called Jehu as well. Uh, the same thing, threw their cloaks down to make this um, red carpet. Uh, everybody would have known that the waving of the branches like that, that's how you welcome back a victorious king. Uh, uh, a king that's just won a battle or something. Uh, the Jews would have understood, understood that. The Romans would have understood that. They did the same thing. And every, uh, throughout all of this, Jesus is saying, I'm the king. Crown me or kill me. Crown me or kill me. I'm the king. And um, this, is not, um, this is not how to make friends and influence people. He's um, winding up a lot of people. As we know, it doesn't, as we know from the rest of the week, Easter week, it doesn't go so well. He does end up on a cross. They do kill him. Because they are this outraged at the claims that he's making. Because he's making it absolutely clear who he is. He's making universal claims. Um, and we can't say, I, I, mean, I don't know where you are in your faith or what you believe about Jesus. But we can't just dismiss this stuff all too easy. We can't say, well, it was written a long time ago in an old book. It might be relevant to you if you're religious, but um, not to me. Uh, imagine if we said that um, about something else. So I'm going to see whether there are any... I'm looking particularly at teenagers here. And if you study science... Uh, I want you to tell me if you know what this equation is, okay? A little bit of revision for you. you actually, do you study any science? One of them? You do? Okay. Here we go. Do you know what that equation is? Anybody know what that equation is? John Mullaney knew this morning. I was very impressed. Our treasurer knew this morning at St. Albans. Uh, anybody know? Anyone going to have a go? That's, um, Richard, yeah? Newton's law of universal gravitation. 
So what this is saying, um, uh, this is not a science lesson, but um, the force between two objects is directly proportional to their mass and the inverse of the distance between them. Okay, this is what it's saying. Now, this is a universal law of gravitation, about gravity. You can't say, well, it's a very old law, written in an old, very old book. I'm not sure it's relevant to me. If I push you out of a plane, it's going to suddenly become very relevant to you. Very relevant. It's a universal claim. And what Jesus is making here about his kingship is a universal claim. You can't get away so lightly. It's, it's not intellectually, it doesn't have intellectual integrity to say, well, <laughs> said a long time ago in a very old book, uh, maybe only just for religious people. No, he's making a universal claim here. I'm king. Crown me or kill me. But I'm king. That's the first thing. It's the first thing. And Jesus, as he approaches Jerusalem, I believe actually he approaches each of us. And this Easter, he approaches each of us again. Uh, If you imagine the gate to your heart being the gate of Jerusalem. And are you going to welcome him? And how are you going to welcome him? Are you going to welcome him as king? Are you going to shout, Hosanna, save me, son of David? Or are you not? Are you going to crown him? Or are you going to kill him? Are you going to put him on the throne of your life? Or are you going to put him on a cross? As he approaches Jerusalem, I think he approaches all of us as well. He's been approaching people on Alpha this term. It was amazing. The last session of Alpha happened this last Wednesday. And, uh, you know, some people gave feedback uh, that evening. And nine people said their faith was strengthened um, by being on Alpha this term. Uh, uh, Practically everyone said they made lots of new friends. Five people said that they discovered a relationship with God through Jesus this last term. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? He's approached them over the course of this term. Uh, And I believe Easter will mean so much more to them than it's ever meant to them before. It won't now just be about the chocolate Easter egg, although I hope we all get plenty of chocolate Easter eggs. Um, They will have met Jesus, their king and their saving king. And this is the the, the second thing that we come on to. There's this confrontational truth, he's king, deal with it, crown me or kill me. Uh, There's also a paradoxical truth though, because he comes in on a larder, on a donkey. Now, I, as I was thinking about this, I, I almost used a clip at the start of the talk of, um, who's seen Braveheart? Anybody seen the film Braveheart? I love, not really, really. Is that all that people have seen Braveheart? Oh, wow. <laughs> is, it, is that an age thing? It's not that old a film, is it? Is it? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> And there's a moment in that film, I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, there's a moment in that film where Braveheart says, uh, they ask him what he's off to do, and he says, I'm going to pick a fight. And he goes off, and he basically is like, in your face with the English, and this is who we are, and deal with it. And um, uh, there's an element of which Jesus is saying, um, I'm going to pick a fight here. But I imagine that scene also with Braveheart riding not on a war horse, but on a little donkey, plodding along. <laughs> Can you imagine how ridiculous the scene would be? Everybody knows you don't go into battle on a donkey or on a a colt, the foal of a donkey. It it meant a completely different thing. Anybody would have known that if if, no general would ride into battle on a donkey. If you you were to ride into battle on a donkey, you'd be riding to certain death. You'd be better off on foot than on a donkey. But of course, that's the kind of king Jesus is. And he knows he's riding to his death. 
A general would ride in on a horse, a war horse, all strength, show of strength and might and power. Worship me because of my strength and my power. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a lowly donkey, vulnerable, defenseless, weak. And he says, yes, I'm king, but I'm a whole different kind of king than you've ever seen before. I'm not going to win your allegiance through a show of strength and of power. I'm going to win your allegiance through a show of love and pain and suffering and death. Why does he do it this way? Well, because Jesus is coming to save, but he's coming to save everyone, not just the Jewish people from the Romans at this particular time. In fact, if you, if you read on the, the prophecy from Zechariah, if you read verse 10 as well, it makes it very clear that this is for all nations, that he's going to bring about peace for all nations. And he's winning a peace with God for all of us at Easter, for all of us, not just for the Jews. The Jews thought their pressing need was liberation from the Romans. That's what they were hoping that Jesus would bring. But actually, Jesus says, actually, what you really need is liberation from something far deeper. Because if you weren't enslaved by the Romans, you'd be enslaved by someone else. I know your history. I've read the Old Testament. I I know your history. If you're not enslaved by one group, you're enslaved by another. If you're not enslaved by a nation, you're enslaved by idolatry. If you're not enslaved by idolatry, you abuse others. And so I have to send you into exile. It's like your deepest need isn't to be liberated from the Romans. I've come to liberate you from your deepest need. I've come to save you from sin. And that's the only thing that will truly make you free. And he says the same thing to us today. I wonder what you think your oppression is or what your greatest need is. I wonder what you think you need God fixing in your life. If it's anything other than a a broken, weak heart that's sinful and needs a savior and needs grace, then you're missing the point. And Jesus would say, actually, I've come to save you from your deepest need. He's, come, he's coming to be king, but not a military king. He was coming to throw over, overthrow evil, but not the evil of the Romans. Because he, he's a different kind of king, and he's a different kind of savior. And this is a different kind of victory that he's going to win. Um, Tim Keller, he's a preacher I admire. He put it this way. He said, sin is servants putting themselves in the place of the king. Think about that for a second. Sin is servants, all of you and I, putting themselves in the place of the king. Salvation was the king putting himself in the place of a servant. Salvation was the king putting himself in the place of a servant. This is the pattern on Palm Sunday. This is the pattern of this week. If you come here on Monday, Thursday, for our service in the evening, we'll be washing feet as Jesus washed his disciples' feet. I don't know if you've ever realized that that story, I love that story, uh, that you get in John's gospel of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It's the gospel in, in, in one action. It's beautiful. Jesus takes off his cloak, his outer cloak. He takes up this servant's garment of a towel, and he steps down into the muck and mess of his disciples, and he washes their feet, humble, like the lowest servant, and he cleans them. And then when he's done, he gets back up, And he puts back on the cloak. Do you see what he does there? That's the gospel. He comes from heaven and all his glory, king, which is who he is. And he takes off his royal robes and steps down into the muck and mess of our world and washes us of our sin.
and cleans us up. That's his purpose. That's what he does. And then he steps back up, puts his cloak back on, and sits in glory at the right hand of the Father, King, as he's always been. But now having saved his people and saved you and I. This is the pattern of Holy Week. Uh, and I hope and pray that each and every one of us will, in, the way that, in whatever way that we can this week, as Jesus approaches us, that we will take a step towards him also this week and in our discipleship, in our faith, that we'll take a step forward and meet this man who is king, but this man who came from all glory to the lowest of the low and who died on a cross for you and me because it was the only way to save us from our deepest need and set us free. Sin is servants putting themselves in the place of a king. Salvation was the king putting himself in the place of a servant. Jesus approaches Jerusalem and he approaches you and me. And how will we welcome him this Easter? Will we welcome him? See, I was thinking just before I got up, there's responses of about sort of three different groups of people, I think, in this passage. There's the crowd that have followed him all along, and they worship him, and son of David, Messiah. They get it. Then there's the crowds in Jerusalem who've come from all over, but now might not have seen as much, and they ask, who is this? Who is this man? The prophet from Nazareth. And then there's the teachers of the law, uh, uh, the chief priests, and they just reject him. Uh, I, I don't know where on that spectrum, worship or just dismissing Jesus, sending him to the cross in your life, as it were. Um, I don't know where you are. Uh, my hope is that this Easter you'll take a step closer, wherever you are on that journey. Let me pray for us as we finish. Jesus, I want to say that I'm so grateful. That you were king in glory. And you stepped down into our world to clean us up and to clean me up. king of the universe and you choose to come this low because you love us. Lord, move by your spirit in our hearts and every heart here to reveal Jesus to us, stepping towards us like you approached Jerusalem as king. Lord, as king going low and weak because he loves us. I pray that every heart here, that every heart in Chiswick, London and the world would be won by this love that knows no bounds and no limits, that's so undeserved and so full of grace. Amen.